Hey, all you beautiful people. It's Mary and Hannah. Woo -woo. Thanks for being here with us. We love it. Our one year anniversary is going to be here in just a few short weeks. It has been one year already. Can you even believe it? I can't because oh I can God. remember sitting over drinks with a notepad thinking, you have lost your mind. I, I think you're still thinking. <laughs> you have lost your mind. So we have something fun planned for you guys. Oh my God, yes. But we're looking for a little something from you as well. We can't do it without you. You know we can't do this without you. We could, but it would be boring. What we want to know from you is, what has your favorite episode been? And why? Yeah. Yeah. Really? What made you laugh the hardest? Or what do you occasionally still think about or tell other people well, about? What, what do you tell people about that you have heard? Or what have you heard from us that made you need to go do a little digging? So comment us, message us. You can DM us on Twitter. You can email us. We're really excited to read all of your responses. So hit us up on Gmail. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit up. Hit us up on, you know, Facebook Messenger. Wherever is convenient for you, hit us up. Let us know. Just don't hit us. Ow. <laughs> Sorry. She's so mean. You left it wide open. I know. I usually do. So thanks for all of your support. And stay mischievous. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. All right. So, um... Can you tell me something I really didn't need to know? Hey, Mom, tell me something I didn't need to know. So how about let's learn something we really don't need to know. Are you ready to do this, girl? Of course. Yeah. I have a drink in my hand. I have a story in front of me. I have the, a drink. The sun I have a bottle. The sun is shining. There's a little breeze. My daughter's asleep with your cat on her lap. I know. She's adorable. I know. All right, let's do this. Yeah. We're not Instagramming her picture, though. Why not? Because she's still a young person. You're right. I will. I promise. Now, if you fall asleep in the motel room and drool, I'm Instagramming that shit. <laughs> We're going live. Oh, nice. Thanks. Sticking it right on our Patreon. You just remember that when you've got a mask on your face and hands <laughs> and feet and lip scrub on your lips. Just remember, fair play, sunshine, fair yeah, play. Yeah, I know. But the thing is, is that usually when I'm in that shape, you're also in that shape. <laughs> Hi, everyone. We take pictures of each other taking pictures. <laughs> Welcome to Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know. Now that you've learned a lot of things you don't need to know, this episode's over. Have a great day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we're just getting started. I know. My name's Hannah Green. I'm Mary Swartz. We're happy to have you here with us. Oh, we're ecstatic. Yay! Happy doesn't even begin to describe it. We are e-freaking-static. We hope that your Sunday has been amazing, relaxing, enjoyable, sunshiny, and that now you're relaxing with a glass of something you enjoy drinking and laughing with us. And we just make it better. Yeah. We just make it better. Yay! Forever. Mary. Yeah. What's happening on our other podcast? Oh. Oh, you want me to work. Oh, shit. Sorry. Oh, you want me to actually do something for my wages? Oh, just for a few minutes. Okay. And then I'll take over. I'm exhausted already. And then you can drink while I work. I have been. I do that well. I know you do. Yeah. All right. 
Uh, all right, so today is the 26th. 26th. Woo! All right, next Wednesday on Murder, Mischief, and Moscato, the episode is called Footprints in the Snow. There are two stories. Well, let's see. We cover the Hinterkaifeck murders, which was quite a whodunit, unusual. Um, and we did a story, and I called it Not All Who Are Missing Are Lost. Yes. About a death that maybe wasn't a death. Oh, they can't see my eyebrows going up and down, can they? She's making faces at you guys. Wiggling my eyebrows. Trying, she's wiggling her eyebrows at you. Yeah. Okay, week after that, what do we got? Uh, October 6th, Murder, Mischief, and Moscato. The episode is called Rock, Paper, Scissors. <laughs> that was funny as hell. Rock, Paper, Scissors, and as my children, my boys would say, Chuck Norris, and then they punch you and yell, I win. That's some bullshit. Well, they punch you in the shoulder. I don't care, it's so bullshit. Yeah, well, they think they're funny because they're boys. Yeah, well, children are stupid. Um, Hannah covered the West Mesa Bone Collector. Oh, that was a fucked up story. That was a fucked up story. And I covered a choose your own adventure. <laughs> I do every day. Which alcohol will I drink today? Hell yes, we'll drink to that. Woohoo! Woo! <laughs> mm. Delicious. It is delicious. Today, for you lovely listeners of ours... We are drinking Robinette Cellars, which is one of our favorite local wineries. It's the one we did a 5K at recently. We are drinking their strawberries and cream wine. Which they're we, lucky we survived. Oh, my. No, we're, they're lucky you survived. Please, please just go get the car. Mary, I can't. We're in the middle of an orchard. I don't care. Just drive it through the orchard. Drive fast. I'll never see you. Yeah, she wouldn't do it. She's a, she's a chicken. <laughs> no, I just respect the orchard. We're lucky we survived. This oh, no. my story. <laughs> Sticking to it. <laughs> oh, so strawberries and cream may sound like an odd choice for a wine, but I will tell you, it is like a fabulous adult strawberry milkshake. Oh, I wouldn't even call it a milkshake. It is like strawberry milk, adult, grown-up strawberry milk. Yes. Yes, it is. It it's is delicious. It's it good. is absolutely delicious. It's good. Woo. Yeah. All right. Mary. Yeah. Mary, have you a national day for us Hell today? Yes, I do. Good. Let's bring it on, girl. All right. September 26th. Yes. Familiar with Johnny Appleseed? Yes, I am. I've you been... and I have seen markers for him. Mansfield? Was yeah. it Mansfield? No. Where were we? I Some almost want to say in Kentucky. Town. That little we... tiny, tiny town in Kentucky, I almost want to say. Listen, we've been all over the country together, so it's hard to remember where we've seen what at some points. Yeah, that That's was a good point. Cool. And God only knows what we were drinking when we were where we were at. When I know, we were, we were there. walking, I think, because yeah. we'd gone to a cemetery. We'd gone to a really awesome cemetery. We've been a we might have awesome been in Tennessee cemetery. at that point. Tennessee or Kentucky, yeah. my guess. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Anyway, today is National Johnny Appleseed Day. Everybody, I'm sure, knows who he is. If they don't, this is the man that went around America giving away apple seeds and planting them. Planting them. Partaking in or giving up his wisdom for free. Yep. Um, Helping plant orchards all over the country. So we honor the man who made apple and pear trees grow. We commemorate the day of his birth. We celebrate his legendary wit, his wisdom. And his is one of those stories that will truly live on forever. And it is a long story, so we aren't going to share the whole thing with you. But if you are unfamiliar with who he is... Take some time and research him. If you told the whole story of Johnny Appleseed, we'd be here for like three hours, Mary. What else do they have to do? 
listen to a really awesome story I'm going to tell him. Wow. So get on with it. All right. So he was born John Chapman. Yes. In 1774. He wore a funny hat, according a to legend. A long, long time ago. Yes. His mom died early on in his yes. life. He was yes. two. He was two. His dad packed him up and his sister. They moved to Springfield, Massachusetts. In Fort Wayne, Indiana, there's a grave that marks the spot where the legendary sower of apple seeds rests. That was not been there. No. He's born in 74, so when he's 23, he ends up in Pennsylvania. He's propagating his apple seeds. And basically, he travels across the United States, giving away his apple seeds, helping to plant orchards. He is sharing of his wisdom. He actually takes money from people and he buys books with that money. Yes. And he gives those books away. That is so amazing. Yes. We donate our books to free little libraries. Yes. Yes. He had a pasteboard hat. Is what it was called, a pasteboard hat. I did not know that. He frequently didn't have shoes. I did know that. He was very poor. Yes, I did know that. Um, He, a lot of times, survived on the generosity of others. Yes. But at the same time, he also was a very generous, generous man. He was very generous. He was known to be extraordinarily kind. Um, And many stories tell of him traveling for miles because someone had an orchard that was not well. And he would come and help them with their orchard and help them to get their orchard back where it needed to be. Which is awesome. Yeah. He He was wise. He was caring. He was kind. Um... And yes, it was Mansfield, Ohio. That was his first tree nursery. Yes, I was right. Yes. You know what? Yes, that's where we saw his monument. And? Yes. We've been there multiple times. We may have a picture of that monument. If we do, we We should post it. We might. So, yep, today we celebrate Johnny Appleseed. We remember how wise he was, how kind he was. He's the reason we have apple orchards today. That when you have that apple pie that you just eat with whipped cream or, you know, pecan ice cream, whatever. Um, yeah. And to the, it's, you know, it's a good time of the year, too. Oh, apples. it absolutely is. This is the perfect time of the year to have apples. Yep. So, happy National Johnny Appleseed Day. Do you remember when we were kids? Mom would yes. carve out the middle of an apple, pack it full of brown sugar and butter, and bake it. So, and sometimes she would even put crust around the outside. We can do that, you know. So delicious. We can do that. Yes, we absolutely can. We could. I got apples. Well, here's my national day. It is National Pancake Day. Apple pancakes. Also known as Johnny Cakes. All right. Also known as Griddle Cakes, Hot Cakes. There are a lot of different varieties, of course. Swedish pancakes, French pancakes, which are called crepes. Oh, Yeah. Which I absolutely adore. Syrup suckers. My husband calls them syrup suckers. (laughs) So pancakes actually date back more than 30,000 years. They may, in fact, have been one of the first official breakfast foods. 30,000 years. Like, I didn't even know people existed then. Neither did I. Honestly. Well, clearly they did, but... I knew that people existed, but I didn't know that they could find pancakes. Were there pancakes? That bad that they survived all this time? Yes, yes, exactly. Um, So another interesting thing about pancakes is that pancakes were a traditional part of Fat Tuesday. 
You know, the day when we eat all the poonchkis and yeah. I don't do poonchkis. Neither do I. They're I think they're disgusting. Well, I also think they're, they're real sweet. Yeah. yeah, I don't like them. They're ugh. Um, but sorry if that offends anyone. I don't care. Be offended. So on Fat Tuesday, revelers would feast before fasting. Pancakes were traditionally one of the things that they would feast upon. Oh, I love a good stack of pancakes. Rolled, filled with fruit and other oh. fillings. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like crepes. Yes. I really want to do a Swedish pancake, which you actually bake in a pan, and it gets like, all, it like cooks up the sides, and it like caves in in the middle, and then you fill it with stuff. Oh, looks delicious. We're going to have to stop this podcast and go get food. <laughs> Pancakes are, however, traditionally, as we know them today, modern, usually stacked, drizzled with some sort of flavored syrup. Yeah. Don't forget the whipped cream. And in our father's case, don't forget the peanut butter. Because my our father could not eat a pancake without putting peanut butter and syrup on it. Oh, my God. And if there was cinnamon and sugar on the table, that too. The man was a man of unusual tastes. But he taught all of my children to put peanut butter on their waffles and pancakes, and to this day, they all do. Wow. So this day actually began in 2005, and it did not begin as National Pancake Day. A week ago was National Talk Like a Pirate Day. Yep. So this began as National Lumberjack Day, because you should eat pancakes like a lumberjack. Wow. Yep. So do we just not celebrate? We just don't celebrate the lumberjacks anymore. Eating lots of pancakes like a lumberjack seemed like a better holiday than talk like a pirate day to the people who made it. So there you go. If you're looking for some different ideas for pancakes, because there are a lot out there, one of my personal favorites, I love a good buckwheat pancake served with warm applesauce on it. Oh, buckwheat. Yes, I haven't had that in years. Lemon blueberry pancakes. Banana and pecan pancakes with real maple syrup. Mm. And of course, one of our favorites, pumpkin spice pancakes. No. Yes. No, no not one of our favorites. One of your favorites. <laughs> I don't pumpkin want... Pumpkin spice is... <coughs> Here's the thing. I don't want pumpkin spice most things. But pumpkin spice pancakes actually taste a lot like pumpkin muffins, which I do enjoy. So pumpkin spice pancakes are okay with me. How about the pumpkin spice wine I sent you a picture of? You I would try it. I, I would try it. I almost bought a bottle of that for us. I would try it. I would not try that. That would bend your There present. are a lot of pumpkin spice things that I don't care for. They're overly sweet, artificial flavored. Just I not my don't thing. care for most pumpkin spice because it's just too sweet and like yeah, no. overhyped. And... But the pumpkin muffins I make are actually Lynn's I, recipe. I actually do make a pumpkin muffin that I really like. Yep, my recipe came from Lynn, and they have real pumpkin. And Mine came from Google. <laughs> they have real pumpkin. <laughs> and not the pumpkin pie filling. No, because I can my own pumpkin. Right. So, you know. Throw some raisins in that bitch. So good. I just so like good. a few little walnuts in there. Oh, you throw walnuts and raisins in there. I don't like raisins in mine. I don't, you don't eat my muffins. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> anyway. So... Take a minute, have a pancake today, and Yay. use hashtag National Pancake Day on your Woo-hoo. social media. Sweet. Nice. Yeah. All right. You have a tidbit or two for us today? I do. Okay. 
A couple say that they have spent their time sharing their bed. Is it with a chicken? No, this is not a chicken story. Thank God. Are you disappointed? No. It's been a while since we've done a chicken story. I can't handle any more people. I can't handle any more people sharing their beds with chickens. So what do these two share their bed with? A friendly ghost dog. <laughs> There's dead silence on the other side of the table while she drinks and thinks and drinks and thinks. <laughs> now this ghost dog sits on their bed at the bottom and watches television with him. She's still thinking. She's How do they the- know? Does it shit on their bed? Not if it's friendly. Does it leave hair on their bed? Michael Lee. Does it bark at the TV? Claims that it started with footprints moving across the bed. And now the ghost likes laying across his legs. And his pet cat, Maggie, she doesn't really care for the dog. She kind of like leaves the room when the dog comes in. Is it their ghost dog? No. It just randomly appeared one day. It may have always been there. You know, because everybody has a different opinion on ghosts. And I think if, if a ghost is in your house, a ghost is in your house. But I think that quite frequently a ghost wants to know about you before that maybe they make their presence known to you. I wish to know how long have they lived in the house before the ghost dog appeared. Oh, sure. 47-year-old Michael and his husband Blake believe that the ghostly presence is a dog and is certain that it will cause no harm. Michael said about 5 in the morning, he said, I thought the cat had gotten up on the bed to wake us up. Maybe the cat frequently gets up on the bed, wakes him up for food, you know. Jumps on oh, the bed. Yeah, don't I know it. Climbs up your chest. Stands on you. Right right in your face. Mm-hmm. Yes. But the cat this morning, that morning, was nowhere to be seen. It was like footprints that were crawling, coming slowly up the bed. And then he felt it lay on his feet. Crossways. Now, Michael points out the fact that he has a fluffy blanket on the bottom of his bed that is folded. A lot of people have that extra blanket yes. on the bottom of their bed in case they get chilly. Yes. So when the dog comes across the bed, you can see the actual dip in the bed where it's laying down. It is quite heavy. He said it is much too heavy to be a cat. Has he met my cat? Michael has an infrared camera that he views on his phone, and it has a two-way microphone. So the other day, he tried to see if he could capture the ghost. He spoke into the bedroom using his camera and his microphone, and he asked, is anybody there? The response was what he described as a high-pitched owl. He then asked the ghost, are you a dog? And he got the same response. And Michael says, it doesn't scare me. You know what it might be and what it can't be. It's not going to harm you. He said, it's kind of like a poltergeist, but ghosts don't seem to really do any harm. Poltergeists are good, So I wouldn't say it was a poltergeist, but maybe he doesn't know the difference. Yeah, poltergeists are not friendly. He says, basically, all it does is lay on his feet. That's what it does. His partner has witnessed this. His partner has seen the dip in the bed. Uh, His partner was there when it made the howling noises. So how do you feel about that? I feel as though this is possible. You and I both, both have had experiences that lead me to believe that it is possible. However, I also firmly believe that, unfortunately, a lot of people who come forward with these kind of stories have made things up simply for the notoriety, popularity, and attention that they can receive from it. I hope that is not the case in this case. I would be sad if it was. I believe, Michael. I think it's possible. Um, I have other questions. Well, obviously, we always have questions. I once had a 
Sam, a cat, Sam. Yes, I, I remember Sam. I love Sam, Sam. Sam lived a very, very long, good life, and he passed away naturally from old age. For the next probably six months after he passed away, I felt him walk across my bed. That's very cool. I also felt him lay on the pillow next to me. Aw. And I do think it's entirely possible. Um, I think Sam went away when Larry moved in because he knew I didn't need him anymore. Right. But, yeah, I'd be laying in bed, and I could actually feel him walk across the bed because he was not a little teeny tiny. I mean, he wasn't huge, but he wasn't a teeny tiny cat. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I believe the story. I believe in ghosts, but we, we already know I believe in ghosts. Well, so do I, and you already know that. So, so yeah. Right. I believe Michael. I believe his partner. Interesting. That was a good little tidbit. Yeah. All right. Okay. So now we're going to move to Oklahoma. I would like to live in Michigan. Let's just visit Oklahoma. Okay. Let's visit Oklahoma. Okay. Pretend we're driving a big semi truck. Probably not. Probably not a good idea. Oh, that's right. You can't reach the pedals. That's exactly (laughs) what I was just going to say. I would not be able to push the clutch in. All right. So the semi truck that we're driving is having some brake problems. Oh, that's not going to be good. That is not good. It's not the problem where you can't reach the brake pedal. All right. So the semi truck pulls into a truck stop. Okay. But that's really not going to help the situation. The uh, fire chief says that the tires actually ignited and they set off the cargo. Uh, What was the cargo? Women's deodorant. In cans. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, no. 27,000 pounds of oh, women's aerosol oh, cans. Oh, God. Fire chief said it looked like Roman candles going off. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. No one was injured. Thank God. And the truck stop smelled amazingly fresh. That's what the reporter said. Powder fresh. <laughs> That's what the reporter said. He said, to a certain degree, it smelled very lovely. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, that's oof. Good news, they recycled all the cans. Oh, thank God. Yeah. That makes me happy. Yeah, we're, we're huge recyclers. Yes. Yeah. You ready for a story, Mary? Sure. You know, we've had ghosts and we've had blowing up aerosol cans. Why not? In the spring of 1968... James Earl Ray stalked Martin Luther King Jr. from Atlanta, Georgia to Memphis, Tennessee. He had plans to assassinate the civil rights leader. On April 4th, 1968, while King was standing on a second floor balcony at the Lorraine Motel, Ray did just that. He fired a single shot from his Remington rifle 200 feet from where King was standing, and he ended the life of a man who was working to change the path of our country. He did change the path of our country. He I, think did. He, I think he probably would have accomplished more. I would absolutely agree but with you. But he very much, very much, even today. Yes, he did. Still changes the path of our country. Yes, he did. But I firmly believe that he wasn't done. Oh, God, no. There have always been a lot of theories and rumors behind the reason for the murder. But in the end, the result's the same. He's dead. King was dead. Doesn't matter why. James Earl Ray fled immediately following the assassination. Not part of my story, but an interesting fact that I came across while I was researching this. When James Earl Ray committed the assassination, the murder of Martin Luther King, he was already on the run because he had broken out of prison. 
Oh. He was already an escaped fugitive. From what? What what was he in prison for? A variety of charges. You can't just drag us to the edge of the rabbit hole <laughs> and not throw us over and down. I have to leave you something to to, you know, spend your time rabbit holing with. Feel free to research it, but I just found that little fact interesting. I did not include it in my writing. He left behind the rifle with his fingerprints on it, leaving no at all no you, question as to who he did who did it. Why wouldn't you take it with you? He was on the run. For the, need that rifle. For the next two months, Ray was one of the FBI's 10 most wanted fugitives. He traveled through two different countries before being captured at London's Heathrow Airport in June of 1968. In London? In London. He did some serious travel. Yep. He was extradited back to the U.S. to await trial on the charges for murdering King. Ray made the decision to confess to the crime, and he pled guilty to the charges. Okay. He was sentenced to 99 years in prison, and he would spend the rest of his life trying to reverse his confession. Now, this may seem like an odd story to be doing on this particular podcast. It does seem to be an odd story. But there doesn't totally fit what we do here. It doesn't? So I'm just going to have to ask you to take your paperwork and leave. <laughs> oh, no, you're not. Because when I get there, you will you will understand. I know. I know. You never do anything normal. I know that. James Earl Ray was sent to Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary in eastern Tennessee, deep in the wooded hills of the Cumberland Mountains. Don't think I've been there. It's known as the lo- by the locals as the castle. Okay. Brushy Mountain was built in 1896. It's about an hour east of Knoxville, Tennessee. At that time, Brushy Mountain was considered to be one of the toughest state prisons in the U.S., it was nearly impossible to escape from, and inmates frequently killed each other there. Why did they send him to a prison in Tennessee? Federal crime, I guess. I don't know. I honestly don't know. But there are a lot of times that someone commits a crime and is sent to prison in a st- different state from where yeah, I, don't I, I don't understand. I don't really know. I want to be a judge. Okay. So, along with the fact that it was nearly impossible to escape from, inmates frequently killed each other there. Sweet. Yeah. In the herd. It has housed some of the country's most dangerous criminals. In June of 1977, along with six other inmates, Ray escaped from Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary. Uh-oh. But it wasn't quite the sweet freedom that they expected it to be. Uh-oh. The area surrounding Brushy Mountain is thick with undergrowth, full of briars and unseen obstacles. The elevation changes are drastic. It is super dense. And easily disorienting. Three days after the escape, 55 hours. How far away were they? All seven of the escaped inmates were recaptured. Wow, seven of them. Yeah, James Earl Ray and six other inmates. All seven captured. Good job. They stuck together. See, you're supposed to separate. I don't know if they'd separated, but they were all captured. If we ever break out of jail, we have to separate. Okay. James Earl Ray (laughs) had only managed to make it a little over eight miles away. In 55 hours. God, I can do better than that. <laughs> he was returned to the prison, and a year was added to his sentence, making a it year. 100 years. He was a already year. in for 99. Not the point. Jesus. I agree. How much money and time did they spend looking for these assholes, and you get an extra year? When the inmates I'll give you a life sentence. <laughs> <laughs> when the inmates were caught, they were all cold, hungry, and disoriented. Probably gave themselves right up. Dude, I missed breakfast. <laughs> Take me in. 
So this is a story of legend in the area. A local long distance runner found the entire tale to be entertaining the very least. He believed that he could have made it a hundred miles through that dense wilderness in the time that it took Ray to make it eight. Oh dear God. The runner's name is Gary Cantrell and he was inspired. Inspired to start his own race in the rugged area that he felt he knew so well. Welcome to the Barkley Marathon, which has been dubbed the race that eats its young. The Barkley Marathon is designed so that the runners fail. I can't go here. I can't even go there. At least they fail at a spectacular 99% rate. That doesn't stop hundreds of people from attempting to gain entry every single year to this insanity. A mere 40 runners are selected each year by Gary to participate in the race. And do this next year? The very first Barkley was held in 1988. It is considered to be the holy grail of races. Because of its unique obstacles and setup, punishing conditions, and the lack of runner assistance, this race is the stuff of legends among ultra marathoners. Remember how we talked about we barely survived a 5K, Mary? Well, this race... I had no problems with the 5K. Mm-hmm, <laughs> sure. This race consists of five separate loops, each one slated to be about 20 miles long. Because of the elevation changes throughout the course, which end up totaling around 67,000 feet in elevation, most participants judge that the loops are more likely about 26 miles each. Jesus Christ! The loops are all run back-to-back over three days and nights. There are no aid stations along the route. No outside assistance, although the runners may assist other runners if they so choose. Each loop must be completed in 12 hours. The faster that a runner completes their loop, the more time they have to rest, eat, and care for their feet if they choose to do so before they begin their next loop. Most runners don't get any sleep at all during the race. So, for example, say you finish the first loop in 11 hours, you have one hour of rest, eat, and take care of yourself time before the next loop has to start. What if you don't finish that loop? Are you just You're done. Wow, that's harsh. Here's the thing. If you finish that loop in 11 hours and 50 minutes, you have 10 minutes before you have to start the next loop. Wow. The race route changes every single year. There is no publicity given as to how to apply for the race. There's no known website, no email, and no physical address to be found anywhere. How do we enter? You just show up? In order to apply, most applicants track down a previous participate participant and hope that they will share the needed information. The application process includes an essay about why the writer should be chosen to run in the legendary race. And most applicants include a running resume of their running experience. I can do that. I have a a running (laughs) resume. I do. (laughs) Most participants run ultra distances all year long. They are drawn to the Barkley Marathon by the mental challenge as much as by the physical challenge of it. The applications must be mailed out on a specific day each year. Some people tried for years to get in. If a person is lucky enough to be selected by Gary to participate in the race, they receive a letter of condolence in the mail from him. Part of a participant's letter of condolence reads, 
that participation in the Barkley Marathon will amount to nothing more than an extended period of unspeakable suffering, at the end of which you will ultimately find only failure and humiliation. Oh, my God. Every single year, Gary chooses one person to participate that he believes doesn't have the right stuff to succeed. He calls this person the human sacrifice. Oh, that's not even nice. And they are always given bib number one at the start of the race. Oh, my God. That would be us. Race parameters do include no GPS or phones allowed. Each runner does receive a cheap watch from Walmart synchronized by Gary. The checkpoints along the route are unmanned. They are marked with paperback books. Each runner must rip out the page that corresponds to their bib number, and they must have all of the pages in hand when they complete the loop. There are somewhere between 9 and 14 books each year. The runners are given a new bib number at the start of each loop, and they must, on each loop, rip the corresponding book page out. So after the first loop, at least you know where the books are. Okay, yeah. There is a 60-hour cutoff for finishing all five loops. Upon arriving at the Frozen Head State Park in Wartburg, Tennessee, on the date that they are given in their condolence letter, runners pay their entry fee at the sign-in tent. The entry fee is $1.60. $1.60? Virgin participants must bring with them a license plate from their state or their country, which is hung to make a wall of license plates in memory of runners who have participated. Veteran participants, people who have already participated in the past, must also bring a clothing item that is chosen by Gary each year. Now this clothing item could be a white dress shirt, a pair of gold-toed socks, a t-shirt with a funny saying in a foreign language, and previous finishers, people who have successfully finished the race, who are running again must bring a pack of Camel cigarettes. Many of their participants also bring Gary personal gifts in appreciation for their participation in this race. Story is not in the way. Smoking's not even good for you. Well, the cigarettes aren't for them. They're for Gary. Upon arriving at the... That's 40 packs. No, no. Only previous participants who have finished the race previously. So if you have previously run and finished the race, then you must bring a pack of Camel cigarettes. Oh, dear God. Their rules are very confusing. Yes. Guess we don't have to buy cigarettes yet. There is a potluck at the campground the night of check-in. It's for the runners. In the past, a cake has appeared that read, Good luck, morons. Oh, my God. (laughs) The topographical race route is put out onto a table for the racers to trace onto their own topographical map. For that reason, being able to read a topographical map is a necessary skill to compete in the Barkley Marathon. The landmarks listed on the race map will not be found on any normal map. Things such as Bald Knob, Quitter's Road, Needle's Eye, and The Bad Thing. Veteran participants know to laminate their maps in clear tape to protect them from the elements. The race is always run in the spring, usually around the end of March or the beginning of April. The weather can range from warm and muggy to freezing and wet in mere hours. There has been snow and temps as low as 10 below, 
And during one race, there was fog and 45 mile an hour winds at the same time. Holy shit. The racers have no idea what the start time for the race will be. It How could, do you get there on time then? You get there the night before. That's the date you're given. Oh my God. It could be anywhere between midnight and noon. And it is signaled by the blow of a conch horn. That is signaled one hour before the start of the race. This tends to lead to a fitful night of sleep for most because they fear they could sleep through the blowing of the conch. Right. Each participant is always also given up to five pages of mysterious and sarcastic instructions for the race. They can help the runners to find the checkpoint books, which are always in a theme of some sort. So we could just go, no thank you, I brought my own sarcasm. (laughs) Titles have included things such as, where do we go from here? A time to die. Virgin sacrifice. Undead and unfinished. And... You can if you think you can. One year, the runners were surprised to find that all of the books were pornos. I told you there is a theme. Wow. People have actually taken to sending Gary books to use in the race, and he has now received so many of them, he no longer has to buy books for the race. There are no gear requirements for the race, but there are gear that is permitted. That includes a compass, walking poles, trail packs, of course, shoes, a light but warm jacket, a hydration pack, portable food and water, salt tablets, and a powerful headlamp. The racers gather at a yellow gate, which they must touch at the start and finish of each loop for it to count. There is a brief memorial as the names of previous participants and race friends who have passed away are read. And then Gary signals the start of the race by silently drawing out a pack of camel cigarettes, putting one to his lips, and without a word, lighting the cigarette. That's the start of the race because he lit a cigarette. Cigarette must be between his lips when he lights it, and that is how we start the race. Now, the first and the second loop are completed in the same direction, such as counterclockwise. The third and the fourth loops will be in the opposite direction of the first two. Wow. If there are any runners left at the end of the fourth loop, the racer who is in first place will choose which direction they would like to start the fifth loop in, clockwise or counterclockwise. Any additional racers will alternate. So if racer one says, I'm going clockwise, racer two will be counterclockwise, racer three will be clockwise, racer four will be counterclockwise. Okay. Okay. The alternating directions make the race that much more disorienting for the competitors. The one consistent part of each race is that every Barkley Marathon takes the runners over a creek and through a tunnel that runs under Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary. Most runners struggle to even complete the first loop. As the runners drop out and return to the yellow gate, taps is played on a bugle for all to hear. Oh my god. There are many years where there aren't any runners who make it to the fourth loop finish. At the start of each new loop, the remaining runners are given a new bib number, like I said, so that they have new pages to rip out. Right. It wasn't until 1995 that there was the first winner of the Barkley Marathon. It started in 88. They didn't have a finisher until 95. 
That runner's name is Mark Williams. Now, did he start in 88 or did he start in 95? I don't know. In 2006, more than 30 of the 40 runners never even reached the first book. Since the race first began in 1988, there have been 18 races with finishers. There have even been a few years where more than one person has finished the race successfully. There is actually one runner who has finished the race an incredible three times. His name is Jared Campbell. The good news is that no one has ever died running the Barkley Marathon. Well, thank God for that. We could be the first. Although it does say that it's been reported that the fifth loop feels a lot less like a victory lap and more like survival mode. There is no prize for finishing the race beyond your own personal satisfaction, bragging rights, and of course the deep admiration of all of your running peers. Sadly though, no woman has ever finished the race. Wow. One of the neat things that I found while I was researching this story is that the books also serve another purpose beyond being a fun checkpoint. If someone fails to return to the gate, search parties can use the books to help narrow down the search. The last book page that the runner tore out tells the searchers what area to start looking in. Searchers generally don't start looking until after the 60 hours are up. No runner has ever been grievously injured and been forced to stop running the race. But cuts, bruises, and even sprains are pretty common. I imagine so. The Barkley Marathon was canceled in 2020 due to the COVID pandemic, but it was able to resume in 2021 with a few minor precautions. The race began at 3.04 a.m. on March 18th, 2021. One runner had to return to the gate just 40 minutes into the first loop because he forgot to get his bib number. Oh, my God. Another runner started the race 58 minutes late. Perhaps he overslept. There were no finishers to the race this year. Gary Chantel named the race the Barkley Marathon after his neighbor and running partner, Barry Barkley. Barry passed away in 2019 at the age of 70. He never participated in the race. Smart man. Gary has also never participated in the race that he created. He seems to really enjoy challenging others to do so, though. In his everyday life, Gary is a married accountant with a wife and two dogs. Brushy Mountain closed down in 2009. It is open for tours. James Earl Ray was an occupant of cell number 27, and the prison is reportedly haunted, which doesn't really surprise me in the least. Nope. There have been books, films, and documentaries created about the Barkley Marathon. One documentary filmmaker had to be rescued by the Rangers after he was lost for more than 12 hours during the filming process. There is a film called Where Dreams Go to Die, which is available on YouTube. There is another one called The Race That Eats Its Young, which is available. Did you watch either I did not. Why? Because I didn't. It is available on Netflix. And there is a book titled Tales from Out There. Man, you should have watched that. I will at some point, but I did enough research that I felt like I could do this story without adding a film to my already chaotic week. (laughs) Because it's been chaos. Wow. The Barkley Marathon, the race that eats its young. Yeah, you tied that together quite nicely. Good job. I thought you might enjoy that. I always enjoy your stories, though. (laughs)
Alrighty. Thanks, everybody, for stopping by and spending part of your day with us. Thank you. Hopefully you found her story as amazing as I did. Blah, 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 blah. I lost my place. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook. You can tell we're not scripted. You don't, right? You can find us on Facebook and tell me something I didn't need to know. You can find us at tmsidntk at gmail.com. We do read all of our emails. We read yes. all of our messages. We yes. do respond personally. Yeah. If you have thoughts, comments, suggestions, story ideas. Hell yeah. Send them our way. We love to hear from you. Oh, we really, truly do. I'm always getting story ideas If now. you happen to have run the Barkley Marathon, I swear to you, I would love to talk to you. I think that would be absolutely amazing. If you know someone that does, you should interview them. Get their story and send it to us. Or ask them to contact us and we'll do the work for you. Oh, yeah. That would be a lot of fun. We're also on Twitter at TMSIDNTK. If you have enjoyed your short stop with us, your crazy little hour or so, not quite hour, then please feel free to follow us. Give us a rating and a review. Those always help so much. They help so much in more than one way. They help us know how we're doing. They also help other people find us. Yep. You can find us on pretty much every single streaming platform. If you know of a platform we are not on, feel free to message us and let us know. We are more than happy to try to get ourselves on there. We're on Amazon Music. I know. That's pretty exciting. And iHeartRadio, which is awesome. Yeah. The podcast is, of course, co-hosted by my amazing sister, Mary, and myself, Hannah. And Mary does all of our editing. And she does a fabulous job. Thanks, I think. Well, I think you do a fabulous job, but I might be biased. Because you don't have to do it. You so, come up, you show up, you bring your story, you I drink. know how to. Hey, I know how to edit. You just happen to be the one that does it. Yeah. Do you have a final thought, Mary? I don't have any final thoughts. Here's my final thought. Why is this wine bottle empty? And where can I get another one? Ooh, Robinettes. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great day, guys. Bye. Cowboy went riding out one dark and windy day Up on a ridge he rested as he went along his way When all at once a mighty herd of red-eyed cows he saw Plowing through the ragged skies And up a cloudy draw Their brands were still on fire and their hooves were made of steel Their horns were black and shiny and their hot breath he could feel A bolt of fear went through him as they thundered through the sky For he saw the riders coming hard And he heard their mournful cry Get the eye
faces gulped, their eyes were blurred, their shirts all soaked with sweat. He's riding hard to catch that herd, but he ain't caught them yet. Cause they've got to ride forever on that range up in the sky. All the horses snorting fire as they ride on hear their cry. Riders looked on by him, he heard one call his name If you want to save your soul from hell riding on our range Then cowboy, change your ways, if they are with us you will ride Trying to catch the devil's herd across these endless skies Yippee-i-o Let's go.